This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Why, hello, Andrew. Monica, it's time to party! Mazeltov? Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I thought it'd be appropriate to quote a BEP song, Black Eyed Peas, because it makes about as much sense to have them on the soundtrack as everybody else that showed up for Gatsby. Oh, wow. Okay. We're, we're definitely going to talk about that. Boom. This is episode number 49 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie The Great Gatsby. Sorry, it's a few days late. It, it, well, it's more than a few days, but it's around a week. Uh, <laughs> we're late. late. We're just late. Yes. That is my fault. I went out of town. I had to go take care of a family member who recently had surgery. All right. You don't need to ennoble yourself, all right? I went to Colorado, and I thought we'd be able to record from there. But turns out, my aunt, she lives, like, literally in the middle of nowhere. It's this, it, it, th- like, the closest Walmart is 60 miles away. So... I think that is the actual middle of nowhere for America. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when it takes you an hour to get to a Walmart. Yes. So the internet connection was not solid enough for us to connect through Skype and, and do the show last week, unfortunately. But we're we're back now, and we are going to give you an episode. We're going to do things a little bit differently this week. Uh, if you're new to the show, basically, this is the show on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. And usually, we release each episode in two parts. We release a spoiler-free segment and then a spoiler filled segment this week and for the great gatsby we're just going to do it all in one uh we're not going to spend a lot of time just giving our brief impressions we're just going to really quickly say what we thought and then we're just going to assume that you've you've seen the film you had a couple weeks now (laughs) yeah yeah you've had around two weeks to see it so you have no excuse this week we're talking about the great gatsby monica why don't you give our listeners a little information about the movie just in case they have not read the book that it is based on well if you haven't read the book that it's based on i'm gonna go ahead and flunk you from english hey uh, i have not read the book in my defense I went to high school overseas. <laughs> okay. We had different reading assignments. Well, basically, uh, Midwesterner Nick Carraway, played by Toby Maguire, is lured into the lavish and opulent world of his neighbor, Jay Gatsby, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. However, Carraway soon sees through the cracks of Gatsby's rich experience and finds it not to be as appealing as it all looks. Okay. I guess that is an effective summarization of the plot. Well, there's a tragedy, and apparently there's a lot more love than I remember in the books, but that's, you know, Lerman. Here's a clip. I've gotten all these things for her. I've gotten all these things for her. Now she just just wants to run away. (laughs) She wants to leave that. Jay, you can't repeat the past. Can't repeat the past. No. Why, of course you can. Of 
course you can. Okay, Monica, the headlines for people's reviews pretty much write themselves. Is this indeed The Great Gatsby, or is it The Not-So-Great Gatsby? Give me your brief, spoiler-free thoughts. <laughs> That's kind of like the Colbert setup. The Great Gatsby, or The Greatest Gatsby, <laughs> and it is neither. <laughs> so you would go with Not-So-Great? Not-So-Great. Can you elaborate? Boz Lerman cuts like a music video director so everything is very hyper everything's very kinetic i don't feel like i got to sit in the lavishness of everything that was going on i just felt like everyone was on speed and just rushing through everything like enjoying the scenery was just not really an option you know you really like hurried through all these like magnificent things that happen i don't know i just i don't feel like that was a proper way to communicate the story what the story was about um he takes a different angle with it and plays up more the love aspect of it and um i don't know it felt very not as fulfilling now you have read the novel i have read the novel and i was just about to say it's it's uh, it's sad that uh a book about the shallowness and the emptiness of such culture is actually the movie is shallow and hollow, so... Ooh! Ooh, ouch, okay. Fitzgerald had something to say, Buzz had something less to say. Okay, that's that's interesting. I don't quite agree with you. I, I don't think it's as bad as you say it is. I think it's just... It's, it's meh. It's fine. It's mediocre. No. No? No. It gave me a headache. Well, I saw it in 3D. So okay. the last movie that I had a headache from the 3D was Transformers 3. I did not see The Great Gatsby in 3D. I heard the okay. 3D was not that great. It wasn't that great, but for whatever reason, I ended up walking away with a very, like, not happy head. <laughs> okay. I I didn't hate the movie. It, it, it It's not wonderful, but... You know, it also didn't make me angry, like Iron Man 3, so I guess that's Well, a, a you and I tend to, seem to apparently have different tastes in what will trigger us, like, right. what, what will make us spew our wrath, our critical anger. I could follow the great Gatsby plot point to plot point, so <laughs> that counts for a lot. I- <laughs> you kind of have to try not to, especially since the source material is like an American, an American classic. Yes, though. Okay, though. Actually, so it's like if you got a Hemingway and f***ed it up. I went into the film knowing very little about the source material, okay. um, and and about the plot. I'll try to ignore that. <laughs> yes, please do. Okay. Hey, Andrew, how do you pronounce the Rizza? <laughs> Your cultural references suck, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I knew that The Great Gatsby was a great American novel written by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Okay, you I better that. bring the Trekness over next week because <laughs> otherwise we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> Here's what I'll say about The Great Gatsby. I do think Baz Luhrmann was an interesting choice. I actually like Moulin Rouge. I know you don't, but I, I really do like Moulin Rouge. Um, and I, I, I think it's a great film. The portions I've seen of Romeo plus Juliet, I like. And Australia had a good first half. 
Really? Australia <laughs> had a good first half? How about I couldn't get past the first 15 minutes? I watched it with my mother, who loves and adores Hugh Jackman, may propose to him should she ever meet him, and she w- couldn't stand it anymore and turn changed the channel when I was watching it. <laughs> I think that Baz Luhrmann is, is a talented filmmaker. I think he has a serious case of either a drug addiction or ADHD and just cannot have a a shot last longer than three seconds. I will agree with you there. That did annoy me within The Great Gatsby. You know, there are so many scenes of these really elaborate parties. And the thing about Baz Luhrmann is that he just, he really knows how to photograph things with so many lush colors and there's all this extravagance. And I just wanted time to take it all in. That's what I said. Yeah, I agree with you. All these beautiful costumes and set pieces and, you know, it's filled with live actors. It's not 3D act or CGI actors all over the place. And we're just like thrown across the room and like, okay, keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, you have to finish all the way to the end of the hall at the end of this mansion and then we'll stop the camera and turn it around. Like, it's insane. Right. And and, and I, I think that the editing is a major problem here because you're right. Every time there's a shot that I wish the camera would stay on, it cuts to something that's not nearly as interesting visually speaking. You can't speaking. breathe. Right. And <laughs> I, I, I agree with you that the editing here, I think, undermined a lot of Lorman's signature visual style. And by visual style, you mean the set design. Sure. Yeah. Yes, let's yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. Cuz then that's not I mean it's not much of a style. It's just like how Cameron shelled out good money for set design for Titanic. I don't think that makes his direction any better. I just think that he, you know, forked over for a really good set design and costume person who's trying to now go for the Oscar nomination. I think that Lorman directed Extravagance uh much better in Moulin Rouge. Also hated that. <laughs> I know you hated that film. I, I like that film quite a bit. But but here, I, I do think that the editing undermines it. With that said, I like the actors. I thought, all, I thought they all did a very good job. I was fairly engaged in the plot and the story for, for most of the film. So overall, like I said, it, it didn't blow me away, but there was enough there to keep me interested and yeah that's that's really all i'll say without going into spoilers i I, you know i think there are certainly worse things to spend your money on than the great gatsby and if iron man 3 (laughs) yes iron man 3 this is just gonna be the episode of who can annoy the other person more just probably i'll keep saying iron man 3 you keep saying moulin rouge let's see who punches (laughs) our laptop first but yeah is, is there anything else you want to say about the great gatsby before we talk spoilers beyond you didn't care for it? Well, let's go into spoilers, man. Let's just go okay. into it. Yeah. Okay. So I guess uh, real quick on the acting. Yeah. Okay. So that was really the only good part. And it was Leo and Carrie Mulligan who really carried that. I feel like Tobey Maguire was kind of held back. Even And his, really? nar- his narration was driving me up the wall as well. Okay. I will agree with you there. My favorite is when he would say something and then it would get written out on the screen because we didn't <laughs> just hear him f- say it yes to clarify we are in spoilers now and yes dumbass we just heard you say it like (laughs) lerman (laughs) 
he will recite passages from the novel that will then <laughs> appear on the screen, which you know was visually interesting, but you're right, completely unnecessary. And the frame story was also completely unnecessary. Yes, I okay. Let's talk about that. That was almost on the level of like VHS sort of weak, watery bullshit that's supposed to hold all the little vignettes together. But here you have a cohesive story, a good narrative, solid structure, and you put the framework around it, and it just makes it look cheap. Yes, and like I said, I have not read the novel, but as soon as this started out and Tobey Maguire is in a sanitarium about to write down his story, I was like, wait, 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 this does not feel like something that would be in the novel. Nope. And a lot of people, I know a lot of people are also upset that uh, Nick, what, the Tobey Maguire's character, what turned out to be an alcoholic, because he's supposed to be the audience's stand-in, watching all the debauchery and the excess and things like that, and commenting on how this is destroying, like, you know, relationships and mobile fire, fiber and all the other things that's going on. Is he not an alcoholic in the book? He's not. Okay. Well, see, what was interesting to me about that is that, you know, at the beginning of the film, the doctor has him write out everything that's wrong with him. Uh-huh. And so he writes out this long list, including the fact he's an alcoholic. But at no point in the film when he's recounting this story, yeah. do we really see him, like, struggling with a drinking problem or, or just really becoming a terrible person and hitting rock bottom. Yeah. He always, throughout the film, seems like the best person compared to everyone else. Yeah, no, and that's kind of that's kind of in the book too. He's supposed to be like the innocent coming into all of this insanity. Right. So the framing story is is completely unnecessary and never justified. Yep. That is the weakest part of the movie. I will say though, I thought that of all the actors, I I thought Toby Maguire was the best. Nah, Leo steals the show. Always has, always will. Leo's great, but I I just really liked how McGuire was able to convey just that innocent naivete Mm -hmm. and also the the admiration that his character has for Gatsby. And I don't know if you got this impression, Mm -hmm. Monica, but particularly in the first half of the film, I definitely felt like there was some homoerotic tension between Nick and... And Gatsby. Yeah, see, you missed that whole ninth grade book project where you could have based your whole essay for the end of the semester on that right there. But yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of I loved him, but I but I really cared about him. And you know, at the end when he's the only one at the funeral, if memory serves me correctly, that's how it was as well. Is that present in the book? Because from what I've heard about the book, in the, I believe in the book he. The, the Nick character has a relationship and is romantically involved with someone. Yeah. With a young woman. Yeah, well, it's supposed to... Uh, in the movie, I can't remember too well. Again, this was ninth grade for me, but <laughs> I, I do remember some points. But in the movie, they gave him... What's her character's name? Ah. Well, I know he, at the beginning, you know, he meets Daisy and he's introduced to her friend. His friend, yeah. I'm trying to find... And there's some sexual tension between the two of them. Jordan Baker's the name of the friend. Uh, it's Elizabeth DeBakey, I believe. Is the actress? Yes. Yeah, Jordan Baker is the character played by Elizabeth DeBakey. 
who has a very distinct look, and in the movie she appears very androgynous. Mm-hmm. And there, there's like a scene where Nick is riding in the car with Gatsby, and he Gatsby's like patting his leg mm-hmm. or something, and 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 Lerman makes sure to like give a close up shot of the hand on the leg. And you're right, I think there is some little hints that Nick might be gay in the movie. Is that in the book? I don't think it's so much described in actions. I think it's more just the way they talked. I think he does say something along the lines of, but I loved him. But, you know, that didn't mean what, I don't know. Right. He just could have loved him as a friend. Friend. You know, Phileos, brotherly love. Yes, yes. But then again, that could also be Lerman doesn't know what the hell he's shooting anyway, so Leo could have just leaned over and patted Toby on the thigh. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I think that that was somewhat intentional on Lerman's part. Sure. But but getting back to how he films things, I will say the scene in which his style worked really well is the climactic scene at the end when Gatsby's in the car and Daisy's driving and she hits, is the Fisher's character. Yeah. Whose name I can't remember. You're doing really well at this. Well, hey, it's been a couple weeks since we saw the movie. Myrtle Wilson. <laughs> Myrtle, yes, yes. She hits Myrtle, and that scene with the slow motion, mm-hmm. it does look really, really good. I'm so glad in a two-hour and 20-minute movie that he was able to fit in one good four-minute sequence that was really, <laughs> really good. I am so proud. It's because... It's in slow motion, and the camera doesn't stop. It doesn't just cut, cut, cut. It gives you time to see her flying through the air and hitting the windshield, and it's all very elaborately staged, and it it looks really smooth and nice. If the rest of the movie had just, you know, if he had just taken a step back and allowed us to see everything unfold, I think it would have it would have worked. That's that's a big if then maybe. So I guess the other problem that I had with him was the fact that he is so adverse to any form of subtlety. I kind of find it funny that you were even able to pick up on that thigh tap or whatever it was, if it's any anything, because his use of the eyes and the eyeglasses and stuff like that, uh, they just kept cropping up every, I don't know, 15 minutes in the movie. Do you remember that? The big billboard yes. with the eyeglasses is supposed to be advertising uh, Eye Doctor. But it's the cover of the book, sort of. It's a play on that because uh, it's the same sort of blue and it looks like it's – I don't know if it's crying like on the, the cover, but it's supposed to be referencing that. But, yeah, that shows up a good 80 times, I believe, more or less, give or take a few. I did notice that that billboard of of the glasses and the eyes kept popping up very frequently. I mean, but it was so obvious. It would just go by the Wilson's place, essentially, and they would just pan upwards into the billboard. No other character mentions it past that one time where Nick Carraway makes the comment of it, it was as if it was looking out into the world or so, or looking over the scene. And then it just, the camera keeps focusing on it. Like, hey, do you remember this? Do you remember this? Now, do you remember this? What I was wondering is, is Lerman trying to get at some deeper theme? 
and is that why he keeps returning to this image of the glasses? I mean, yes, he also keeps returning to the, the symbol of the green light. Well, that's a big thing, yeah. It's supposed to represent Daisy and the unattainable and how Gatsby is always reaching for for more and for things that he just can't quite get. So, So I understood that, but I agree with you. I was like, wait, why keep returning to the glasses? What theme or idea is this supposed to convey? And I'm not sure. Is it just supposed to imply that what we see on the surface is not really what's there underneath? Is it that we live in a society of appearances only? And where, as you mentioned, you know, uh, there is no real depth beyond the glamour. I don't know. Maybe that's what he was trying to communicate, but I, I wasn't sure why he kept returning to that. It would only be something to do with them actually passing by the billboard on the way to the city or from the city. So it wasn't while they were having the crazy parties at his place in Long Island. It was really just in passing, and then he would focus on the can't Like, oh, we passed by this landmark again. Right. So if there were supposed to be a meaning with that, I think it was just that the eyes were watching the infidelity of uh, Joel Edgerton's character and uh, Isla Fisher's character. But that's that's the closest thing I could come up with. Well, let's talk about Joel Edgerton's character a little bit. What did you think of that whole love triangle and how that came across in the movie because there were times when I thought it worked and then other times where I was like, I'm not, not quite feeling the tension here. What do you mean not feeling the tension? Well, okay. When I say the tension, it was difficult at times for me to fully be invested in the Gatsby Daisy relationship. How's this? Because the great Gatsby is not supposed to be about a romance. It's supposed to be a commentary on culture. But that's okay. Lerman, <laughs> Lerman thought it was the greatest love story ever told because that's what he got out of reading Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, is this supposed to be a great love story? Because if it is, the Daisy character, I mean, I understand why she would want to leave her husband, Tom. Yeah, various reasons. <laughs> because he's a horrible racist ass. Um, (laughs) who's cheating on her bonus yes who is cheating on her so you know stereotypical terrible husband's boyfriend character right there Mm -hmm. so i can understand why she'd want to leave him i wasn't quite sure why she wanted to be with gatsby out of everyone else though and also why ultimately there's that big scene when gatsby and tom finally confront each other and she sort of uh, stays with Tom, and she's not willing to say, hey, Gatsby, I never, it's not that I never loved Tom. It's it's not just that she defends her love for Tom, it's that she kind of, I don't know, I, I felt like the film went a little bit far in terms of selling the fact that she would stay with him, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, the impression that I always had of Daisy from 
reading the book was that she was a materialistic person and Tom was old money and the appeal of old money and the prestige and the socioeconomic stuff that went with that was much more appealing to her than the new money that Gatsby had that was, you know, tainted. It was coming from bootleg money. He wasn't exactly like looked upon as an equal to Tom. He was below Tom. Even if he had more money than Tom, he was still below Tom because it was just not, you know, it wasn't a family heritage thing. He didn't have the prestige of parenting. So she, coming from a wealthier family in the Midwest, went for that. And that's why she had a hard time accepting him. I don't think that was very well communicated in the film. No, because it was in the hands of a butcher. I mean, yes, Daisy did come across as kind of a shallow person, but Mm -hmm. I didn't fully understand that that materialism ran so deep that it is what ultimately defines her relationships. And also, getting back to the, the whole thing about Gatsby and his wealth and where he gets his money, I never quite understood what exactly his his scheme was and how he was making money. I mean, I, I understood it's something illegal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I didn't fully understand what exactly it was. Can you explain that to me? No, I I don't remember the specifics of it. Um, it. It was something to do with bootlegging. Something to do with bootlegging and, and certain pieces of land and... Gambling and... Yeah. I kind of wish that they had spelled it out because I was like, wait, if Gatsby's a criminal... Yeah, that would explain why. Mafia connections. Does, well, that's the thing. I was like, does he have mafia connections? Like, wh- I think wh- that's what the whole wolf... Wolfshine Shire? I shoot names. We're doing really well with names right now. Yeah. Like I, I understood that he was somehow involved with the mob, but it was like, wait, 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 is does he owe the mob money or is he controlling the mob? I, I, I wasn't really sure. Well, because the Meyer Wolfsheim is supposed to be a reference to the Jewish mob, I believe, in the original book, like Meyer Lansky. That was his connection. That was his business partner. Yeah, I just wasn't clear on the specifics. And I I wanted to know, like, okay, this is the great Gatsby. He clearly has enough money to throw extravagant parties every weekend. That's all you need to know. Party, party, party. How does he get it? I wanted to know. I wanted them to lay it out for me exactly how he was getting his money. You want in on this party, party life. I just want to know because, I mean, okay, if Gatsby's supposed to be, like, some sort of Mm anti-hero or this uh, morally gray individual that maybe we're not supposed to be rooting for Mm -hmm. despite the fact that he is the embodiment of the American dream in a sense uh, Mm -hmm. coming up from nothing, then I want to know – I want to be sure of that. I want to know the details because that's an important part of, of who he is. And the movie just sort of glossed over that and was like, oh, it's something illegal. But uh, we assume that you've read the book or or understand what it must be. Yeah. And I I, I didn't quite get it. Yeah. Well, the last thing I I want to talk to you about is the climactic moment of the film in which Gatsby is shot Mm -hmm. in his swimming pool. Did you like that moment and how it how it was filmed and how it came across? Is Is that how it goes down in the book? Jeez, oh, you keep quizzing me about the book. Um, <laughs> I know, yeah, he is shot in his pool. I do remember that, but it was more like I think, yeah, I think they do mention that he was waiting for Daisy to call and she never calls, and then 
doesn't she like call and hang up or something? What did what did the movie do at the end? Well, in the movie, he the phone starts to ring, and it was actually Nick. And he's getting out of the pool to answer it when he gets shot, and it, it it's actually Nick. Yeah. But he thinks that it's Daisy, Daisy. and that she's going to come back to him, and they'll run away, and he'll finally they'll they'll finally be happy. Yeah. It wasn't that. So it is kind of a of, of a nice end for him. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah, it's Nick. It's it's not Daisy. And I, I, I did – I liked how Lerman handled that because it was sort of as if he was saying, okay, you know, this guy has worked hard and done really shady things to get this girl. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that it, it was satisfying to know that he at least felt like he had achieved it in the end. But then also to have that little critique there that, oh, it's not really that. He, he didn't really attain it. It was Nick, not Daisy. Because yeah. that does, that is, you know, one of the main themes of the book and the film. Yeah. So I, I thought that in terms of ha- having it both ways, <laughs> I thought that was a pretty effective way to do it. Hmm. Does um, that make sense? Yeah, it's, I guess, a wishful thinking. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it allows us to feel good for Gatsby without negating the theme about how everything is superficial and, and you can't really always attain what you want. So, I, I don't know. I, I liked it. I liked it. And I will say that I think as the film progressed, it got better. The first half of the movie, I thought, I, you know, it didn't really do a whole lot for me. I wasn't feeling very interested in the characters but as it went on i do think that it that lorman sort of found his his footing with the material maybe no no i i mean i just think he like wants to put so many things in there and they're mostly like just trivial things that it ends up just looking like awful one of the big things i do hate about moulin rouge is the music there they're just not very well done, and the way that it's cut to the film, it just makes me cringe. And for this one, there's a lot of scenes that are just serves as bumper videos. They're they're just <laughs> they're they're kind of useless, and the the songs aren't that great. And well, re- really quick, you did bring up the music uh, earlier in 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 the first part of our discussion, and you mentioned that you did not like the use of hip hop and. Jay-Z and Kanye. No, because that's not exactly what flappers were dancing to. Not that it needs to be like a very tried and true adaptation or whatever. Everything needs to be age appropriate. But then the dancing that they do is not hip hop. So it just looks very strange and out of time. I, I agree that it's out of time and at first... No, actually, it's like there's there's moments where they're off time. So I teach ballroom and I teach how to dance to this music and to the foxtrot and to stuff like that. And it's like there's, there's moments where Leonardo DiCaprio is actually doing a real foxtrot and it's off time to the music. So I don't know if just the editor doesn't know what he's... D- Wait, are there scenes where they're actually dancing to hip-hop? I don't... I can't remember if it's... It might be one. There were a couple times where they did do like Gershwin scores. Okay. They used Manhattan, the the theme from Manhattan, the Woody Allen movie, as it was looking over the Manhattan skyline, and I got very angry because 
Sorry, man. He did it bigger and better. So little things like that. I can't comment on the dancing. <laughs> Nobody dances hip hop. I'll I'll t- I'll tell you that much. It's it's mostly kept to time. Um, the closest one is maybe the club scene, underground, where it's more jazzy than anything. Well, I will say that I actually liked the use of hip hop on the soundtrack, even though it did feel out of place in a period piece, if only because if there is a genre of music that will communicate the extent of the materialism on display in The Great Gatsby, it is rap and hip-hop. Oh, I was going to say, it was Lana Del Rey. (laughs) So you look through this, it's really quite insane. Like, so, yeah, Jay-Z did a lot of the tracks. There's Cole Porter, there's Let's Misbehave, which is also used in um, Everything You Wanted to Know About Sex But We're Afraid to Ask. Right, but I, I mean, just think about how many rappers and hip-hop artists make a living bragging about how much money they have, how much bragging about their women, how they're the toughest guy around. That is very much in keeping with the themes of The Great Gatsby. So I thought that if, it, you know, if you're going to choose a genre of music to, to, to complement the themes of The Great Gatsby, it might, it, you know, it might as well be hip-hop. It, it, it's, that seemed somewhat appropriate to me well i'm so glad you're defending the use of fergie in (laughs) the great gatsby because i sure ain't i'm looking over the music credits and i'm just like i'm trying i'm getting that feeling back that i had walking out of the movie and i was just like man this was bad and i'm like here's bang 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 performed by will i am by the way the gershwin one of the gershwin scores also uh rhapsody in blue oh right right yes there's a song. Oh, Florence and the Machine. Thank the f- Christ. <laughs> Christ. Jesus. There's going to be so much bleeping in this episode. You really, <laughs> you really, really did not did like not. the great. Oh, and I when they played Crazy in Love, I was so mad. <laughs> was so bad. This is not oh, what man. I learned in school. This is not the story discussing the themes of decadence, idealism, resistance to change, social upheaval, and excess. And creating a portrait of the jazz age that has been described as a cautionary tale regarding the American dream. I don't think... Was that 30 Seconds to Mars who had that big screaming song that was used in the trailers? <laughs> I, I don't even know. All right. You were defending him, so... I will defend the use of hip-hop in The Great Gatsby and the the intent behind it. I, I think the intent was pure. I, I think that one could argue the rap hip-hop genre coincides thematically with some of the stuff that The Great Gatsby is touching on. As for the execution, clearly it did not work for you. Nails on a chalkboard, man. It's... It just didn't fit. The dancing didn't fit to the music. The music didn't fit to the clothes, like, to the scene. It's just, it was weird. Okay, well, do you have anything else to say about The Great Gatsby before we wrap things up? Oh, real quick, how about that weird side moment where they were driving into the city, and all of a sudden, Tobey Maguire just kind of looks at a car full of, is black people, but they all had big fur coats or like a fancy dress and we're just like all hanging out dancing on their way into the city what was that scene about i was so thrown 
It's just a random, like, he's looking at that car like, oh, that looks cool or something. I don't know. There is some interesting, I, I'd almost want to say fetishization of African-American culture in the film. And in the underground club as well. Yes, in the underground club, when he passes the car. And I'm not sure how much of that is present in the novel. I've read some things that suggest that a little bit of that is there in the novel, mm-hmm. where obviously it's set in the 20s. This is before the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And th- th- there is some sort of fascination with black culture there. Well, Lerman has uh, had a little controversy during Australia because I think some of the premise of it is Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman pick up an adorable little Aborigines kid. Yes. So I'm not sure how much of that is just Baz Luhrmann and how much of that is from the novel. But yes, there, there, there are several moments in the film that really heighten and, and pay very close attention to African-Americans and, you know, black music. And yeah, it, it's, it's definitely there. You're not wrong. It was just weird. I don't even know if what I could say about it other than that that just didn't feel right. I don't want to say that it didn't feel right. I think one could argue that there's there's purpose or like it was behind too it. unnatural, like they was being forced to focus on. Maybe. Maybe a little maybe, bit. Maybe. Maybe. Well, real quickly before we wrap up, uh, we need to do Reboot This. It's our favorite segment of the show. Reboot This is a segment we do every week, and how it works is that we pitch either a prequel, sequel, or a remake to the film that we just discussed, since everything has to be a franchise nowadays. Oh, God. Monica, if you had to make a prequel, sequel, or remake to The Great Gatsby, the great American novel, and now, according to you, less than great film adaptation, what would you, what would you choose, and what would it be? Reboot. Try it again, this time, with Kenneth Branagh <laughs> at the helm. Or we could do, we could shoot this all in about five days at Joss Whedon's place and just call it a day like he did with Much Ado. Oh, wow. That, okay, that would be interesting. Just like a really low-budget version that played out almost like a play. Yeah. Okay. An idea. Or Kenneth Branagh, because he, I think he could also handle costumes and scenery and doesn't feel the need to cut every 3.2 seconds i agree with you he does well with wordy plays (laughs) yeah if you're looking for a more standard highfalutin fluffy period piece kenneth Branagh is definitely the guy to go to Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say there there's a part of me that would want to pitch great gatsby 2 just because (laughs) the idea of there being a great gatsby 2 I think is hilarious. You troll. So what he what he comes back from the dead. He's actually a vampire. Yeah. Oh man, I was gonna pitch something else, but that is a perfect idea. What were you gonna yes. pitch? What were you gonna pitch? I was gonna make him sparkly. How much more decadent can you get than a sparkly vampire Gatsby? Oh man. Does Twilight this? <laughs> we need to run with that idea. But first, all I will say is that I, I, I was originally thinking, because I like Moulin Rouge, I actually think it would have been really interesting if Lerman had made it as a musical. Jesus Christ, Andrew. <laughs> I really do. I think, I think, okay, imagine Great Gatsby with this cast 
and this soundtrack as a musical. It's a big question whether or not Tobey Maguire can sing. I don't know if he can, but imagine him rapping or, I don't know, imagine them doing some hip-hop tunes. (laughs) It would certainly be unique, that's for sure. Does that mean Beyonce get a cameo? Because then then maybe we can talk. (laughs) Yeah, sure, bring in Beyonce. Yeah, I think she can't act, but she can sing, so I'll let her sing. I think that Lerman's sensibilities as a director really work nicely for the musical genre. Just all of the excess and the melodrama. I will never forgive Lerman for that tango scene from... Moulin Rouge, that was the single most painful thing to sit through, I think. Really? You don't like that scene? No, he was just screaming, Roxanne! And the tango was so slow. It wasn't even a tango anymore. I will agree with you that that scene is probably the worst number in the film. I, But just as a piece of music... I kind of like it. I kind of like the idea of turning that song into a tango. But anyway, yeah, that was my original pitch for a reboot. This would, would just be the same movie, but as a musical. But I like this idea of Gatsby 2 and having Leo come back as a vampire. I mean, it's what every, all the cool kids are doing. Yeah. Or he could be a zombie. So like Walking Dead stuff. And then would he turn Nick into a vampire or... And or zombie. Or, you know, or would Nick just sort of meet up with him again and then have to follow him around? And, you know, what what would be the plot of this story? We can have a Nick and Jay Gatsby fan fiction Twilight version <laughs> 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 where they have to, you know, throw awesome parties They throw awesome parties. They finally acknowledge their feelings for each other. Yep. And because vampirism also coincides thematically a lot of the time with themes of sexuality, you know, that could work great. Yeah. So, I okay, I like this. I like this. So then Gatsby is a vampire. Mm Mm-hmm. He bites Nick. So they're both vampires now. Okay. They're also lovers. Okay. Are they on the run from the cops, or does everyone just think that Gatsby's dead, so he has a clean slate, and now he can do whatever he wants? Yeah, maybe he just has to come back with a different name. Oh! I get it! Okay, so here, here's the thing. Forget this whole Nick-Gatsby relationship. No. Okay. Here, here's the plot of the movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gatsby's back from the dead, he's a vampire, and he's going after Daisy. He's still obsessed with Daisy. Meanwhile, Nick is still obsessed with Gatsby and trying to get Gatsby to so follow him up. So we just created another triangle. Yes. Okay. Yes, and Gatsby is trying to 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 lure Daisy away from Tom, and now he's this immortal vampire guy. So will she be attracted to that or not? I don't mm. know. Is he rich or has he lost his fortune? I think he could still be rich, because that Dracula was rich. Okay, but but well, when he supposedly died, what happened to his fortune? Somebody kept it for him, because he was able to buy, buy tracts of land in London, remember? Oh, that's right. That's how that's he gets right. over. You're doing really well in the classics literature department, I'll have you know. I Almost really as am. good as your hip-hop. <laughs> okay, 
I like that. I like that. Gr- gr- the Great Gatsby 2 Breaking Dawn Part 1. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to use Breaking Dawn Part 1. <laughs> I, I think Breaking Dawn Part 1 should just automatically be the subtitle for every movie. Okay. What, is Electric Boogaloo out? Because I still like it. <laughs> the Great Gatsby 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Beyond Thunderdome. All the good sequel names. Oh, wow. Okay. I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of Cinema Fix, focused on The Great Gatsby. We'd love to get your feedback on the show. Email us and let us know what you thought of the movie. Let us know what you, if you had to remake or make a sequel to The Great Gatsby, what would it involve? Uh, we, uh, you can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to us through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show you can also donate to us through the website we really appreciate your help and don't forget to check out other great shows on film geek radio including the thin place monica where can people find you online people can find me on twitter at mcasty movies that's m-c-a-s-t-i movies they can also find my work reposted on the bofka website that's b-o-f-c-a dot com it is the boston online film critics association you can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. Oh, also, quick plug. Uh, I wrote an essay on Iron Man and how it subverts common ideas about the war on terror, and you can find that over at moviemezzanine.com. So if you were upset by what I said about Iron Man 3... Last week, uh, definitely head over to Movie Mezzanine and check that out because I actually sort of defended certain thematic aspects of the movie. So there's that. I didn't. I didn't totally just take a dump all over it. Just kind of. Uh, just just in the show. <laughs> kind of what I did to Gatsby. A little bit, yeah. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week in Ion Cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio. Yeah.